You agree with it by action or by word or by heart? Hopefully by all, yes? This morning I want to share some things with you and I think uh, some of the things that I'm going to tell you you've heard before or may have heard about, but I'm going to plug them in in ways you've not heard it before. But I want to start off this morning by talking about past struggles that still keep coming and plaguing us. Things that we can't seem to let go of. Trauma, uh, relationships, all those things that seem to bog us down from time to time. And I was looking at all of those things that bind people up, can't get them free, and what gets them stuck. And I realized that it is lack of forgiveness that keeps us stuck in things that we can't move beyond. I tried to find some things in my own life where lack of forgiveness wasn't the only thing at play, but that, or that it wasn't in play at all, but I could find nothing. When I saw that, I began to realize how much work of unforgiveness has been damaged, ruining relationships, and how much work I had to do to begin to forgive and let go of those things. Why? Because I don't want those things to plague how I relate to people today. I don't want unforgiveness in me tomorrow. Scripture even says that if you do not forgive someone who has hurt you from the heart, you will be tormented until you do. And truly, are we not tormented when someone hurts us and we just keep reliving it and lack of forgiveness comes in our life? And what we see is they don't seem to be worried about it. But we are. And so we're the one tormented because we didn't offer it. Now, forgiving someone you've heard is not saying they're off the hook. It's saying that I don't want to carry the bitterness about it. That I'd rather walk free from it and let them have their consequences rather than me. Because if we don't forgive someone, we get the consequences, don't we? It's the truth. Now today, Jesus is talking about something in this passage, and there's a lot in here. I could pull apart lots of different things, but I'm only focusing on a certain section here. And uh, that section is where Jesus says to love your enemy. And if you do not, what credit is that to you? To help us understand that, I want to share with you that there are five different love languages that people speak about. Uh, Gary Chapman wrote a book about the five languages of love a long time ago, and it's been uh, used in many different areas. Those five love languages are these. Words of affirmation, gifts, acts of service, quality time, and physical touch. Those are five different areas of ways people receive or give love to one another. Most people operate in one of those and they have a secondary one that kind of tags along. Again, I'll I'll say those again. They are words of affirmation. You might recognize your love language in one of these. Gifts, acts of service, quality time, and physical touch. Now, let me just debrief what those things mean. Words of affirmation are when someone kind of builds you up. Says, you know, I'm really proud of you. I thank you for doing that. And, and, and just offering words of encouragement to you. If you receive love that way, that's your primary love language. If someone gives you a gift and you just feel completely loved when they do that, that's yours. 
If someone does something for you, mows the lawn, washes the dishes, uh, cleans out your car, vacuums for you, and you don't even have to ask, and you, you said, oh, I just feel so loved, that's an act of service, and that's your love language. If someone spends time with you and just being with you and talking and enjoying each other's company and you just feel loved when that happens, quality time is yours. If someone gives you a hug or rubs your shoulder or or, um, other ways of physical touch that you say when they do that, that you feel like you're cared for and loved, that's your love language. Again, any one of those can be your primary and a lot of people have a secondary and some of those others tag along as well. So those things in a relationship are important. Why? Because a lot of relationships fall apart because people speak the wrong love language to the other person in the relationship. Here's the catch. Your love language is how you think love is shown. But if your love language is one of the five and someone else's is another, they're not going to understand what you're doing as an act of love. But you believe you're showing love and they just can't receive it. And you can't figure out why. So if someone else's love language is different than yours, they're going to say that wasn't very loving. Now, if it's the same as yours and you speak it, you got a good match. Here's an example. You ever seen someone give somebody a gift and that person said, you know, I really appreciate the gift, but why don't you ever spend time with me? You know their uh, love language is quality time, right? Or this one. So you spent a couple hours with me, but you didn't do anything to help me. You just sat there and spent time. That person likes acts of service. Or, you tell me you love me, but you never hug me. You don't show me affection. That would be a person who needs physical touch. Or, you tell me you love me, but you didn't bring a gift. You say you're my uh, love, but you didn't bring me chocolates on Valentine's or a gift for my birthday. I don't see that you love me at all. Yours would be gifts. How about this one? And this is where it begins to get a little messy. I washed the dishes for you. That proves that I love you. Yeah, but you, uh, you didn't tell me why you did it. It discredits the act of love that we think we're speaking. How about this one? I bought you a TV. Can't you see? I just proved I love you. So it's a TV, but you don't spend time with me. You're just trying to make it a way where I won't spend time with you and watch TV alone. See, these these languages conflict, don't they? Or this one, I said I love you, why don't you believe me? Because their words of affirmation aren't going to work. See, all those different love languages, you have to learn the other person's language and speak it before they ever understand that you love them on their terms. And vice versa, if someone doesn't speak your love language, you're going to say, well, I don't feel loved. But they're loving you with the way they understand love to be. So when this happens, there's a breakdown in loving relationships. People don't feel loved appropriately. I know one man who said to his children, I bought you your own home, your car, I put your kids through college. 
don't you see that that shows you that I love you? And they said, but you never spend time with us as a father. Do you think he was trying to buy their affection? Or do you think he thought giving gifts proved love? Of course, giving gifts he thought proved love. But they wanted their father's time. Sooner or later, each of these love languages come to the forefront in our life. I need time with you. I need time with um, another. I need to do this. Or I need to receive a gift. Or I need you to touch me to show me that you're not afraid of me. Whatever it might be, sooner or later, one of these love languages you're going to need spoken. But primarily in your life, you operate out of one or two, and everybody else around you does. And hopefully they match up. If not, to show them that you love them, you have to learn their love language. Does that make sense? Pretty simple to understand, I think. And once you get the concept... And then Jesus says, love your enemy. And we're going... Uh, I don't have a love language for my enemy. <laughs> well, let me tell you this. If your relationship with those you love needs some work on how to express love, then you probably know it's going to take a whole lot more work on your part to love your enemy. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, here's the question that we ask. <laughs> Why should I? Mm-hmm. What's the point? They're not going to (laughs) change. Isn't that what we say? They're not going to receive it. Probably because we show them a love language they don't hear. Could be, right? But Jesus said, how are you better than vile people, tax collectors, other sinners in this world if you don't act differently than they do? After all, a person who is a publican or a tax collector loves the people that love them. What credit is it to you if you do just what other people do and don't rise above in love? It says we are children of God and God is love, so we begin to embody love in our relationships. If we belong to the Father, we want to become like the Father. It takes a lot of work on our part to love our enemies. But we have to want to first. Do you want to be a better person and live like a child of God? Do you want your Heavenly Father's reward? Jesus says there is no reward in acting like everybody else. What reward is there in that except for nothing? Do you want to do more or be more than you were or than others around you who don't know how to love and who don't love you? Do you want to be better than that? And I don't mean prideful better. I mean godly, righteous, compassionate. If you don't, then when Jesus says to you to love your enemy, you're going to go, I don't want to do that. But we just said, you know, I really want to do what Jesus says and what He says is true and I want to follow Him with my heart, but our mind and our emotions are conflicting in this one. They really are. Because we know it's a good idea to love people who hurt us. But in practice, it's like, stay away from me. 
Don't touch me. Don't talk to me. Don't give me anything. Don't give me any of your time. Don't give me any of your money. I want nothing to do with you. And we're rejecting and shutting down all five love languages that they could speak. Plus the five that we could. And that's what we do. But if you follow Jesus, doesn't it stand to reason that we have to do what He says? Is it an option? Jesus said it. Well, I'll think about it, maybe. Worst thing about it, I heard someone say this when I said, you know, Jesus said to love your enemies. He says, well, I'll pray about it. <laughs> Why do you got to pray about what Jesus said to do? It just... Don't understand that. Jesus said in Luke 6.46, Why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? Amen. There you go. Why? He said it doesn't work. In Matthew, He says, um, You call me Lord, Lord, but you won't even do the will of my heavenly Father. You shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. If you don't, be obedient. But, but, I, but I believe in you. Belief requires trust that He is Master. We don't understand when we call Jesus Lord, the word is Master. It is King. That means what He says we will do regardless if we want to. A slave in the uh, servitude of a Master doesn't say to the slave, I don't want to do that. It's uncomfortable. It's not right. Let me share something with you. We don't love our enemies because we never were shown how. It's a skill that we must learn and it makes us uncomfortable to try because it involves forgiveness, letting go of the hurt, and letting go of retaliation. Those things are hard to do. But Jesus says, if you call Me Lord and don't do what I say, then... We have a problem. He says, those who listen to what I say are like those whose house was built on a rock. And the storms and the rains came and the house stood strong. Those who do not listen, who do not love their enemies, who do not turn the other cheek, etc. that he says that are uncomfortable. These are like folks who build a home on a sand and the rain and the floods came and the house was demolished. And you would be the house that would be demolished. Do you agree wholeheartedly, half-heartedly, or partially that you must do what Jesus says? It should be wholeheartedly. But sometimes we do it begrudgingly. Alright, I'll forgive him, God, but I ain't going to be happy about it. Tithe? No, God, that you know. Tithe, you know, now you're going too far. That's mine, money. <laughs> we, we tell our Master where He's wrong. Instead of saying, you said it, uh, do I want to be obedient to it or not? And if we say we do, then we do it without question. But we don't know how to do that because we don't believe He really is Master and Lord. 
if we truly believed it, we would live that way. I'm going to say it again. Five ways to show love or to receive love. That's it. They're all good options and they're ways that you can love your enemy. Just learn what it is. To not love your enemy is not a sixth option. Okay? He's given us five options on how we can love in in our human relationships. The sixth one is not the choice of, I don't want to do that and I'm not going to. There are five, not six. I'll say that again if you need me to say that. There is no sixth option here of not doing what Jesus asked. But, you have to do something before you can ever love your enemy. And, And I'm talking about after you decide that you want to and that you're willing to be obedient. The prerequisite of it is that you have to learn what your enemy's love language is and you have to be willing to forgive them. Now, just because someone is your enemy doesn't mean that you are theirs. You could have odds against someone who has no idea and they think you're just a good friend still. Wouldn't know otherwise because they won't tell you or you won't entertain the conversation. So, the work you have to do is find out what your enemy's love language is. Now, you may not like their love language because it isn't yours, or you may not like it because it is. (laughs) It's okay. So, when you learn which of the five love languages that your enemy speaks, or the two that they operate in primarily, you can begin to love them. Whether it's quality time, and a lot of folks are going, do they have another one? (laughs) Why does it have to be that one? (laughs) Or uh, words of affirmation. You know, I I really appreciate the Lord for you. Thank you for being in my... You know, it's really hard because until you can forgive them from your heart, these things come as plastic, empty, and false. So today... The reason I bring this message forth is do you know somebody in your life who's really hard to love or get along with? Do you know somebody? Well, I want you to start with just one person. Not all of them. You may have more than one that you have difficulty with. Just start with one. I believe God's asking us to start there. After we start with one, then another. And here's what I would ask you to do. To ask God to help you love them even though you don't want to. And to surrender your will. And to repent for not loving, not forgiving, and being unwilling to change. And then ask God's forgiveness and seek a way to make things right. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we all know at least one. And we are resistant because of the damage that has been done. Because of the pain that that's created. This morning, Heavenly Father, I'm asking that You would help us, anoint us with Your Holy Spirit right now to start accepting responsibility for the fact that we do not know how to love them or have the desire and to repent 
And Heavenly Father, there's so many that I would begin to start with just one. And help us to love them even when we don't want to. To be obedient to Your Word. To surrender our will. To repent to You for not loving and not being forgiving and for not even wanting to. Forgive us, Lord. And give us an opportunity now to find a way to make things right, to be willing to do the work that requires that once we love the enemy, they're no longer an enemy. They're now a friend. And Heavenly Father, we no longer have to look over our shoulder. But Heavenly Father, if we don't do this work, You're telling us there is no reward for us. There is no blessing. There is no healing. There is no restoration. And there is no kingdom waiting. Why? Because You told us we're given the task of reconciling this world in the name of Jesus Christ. To turn them from enemies to friends. From broken to restored. And Heavenly Father, we've been unwilling. But today, as we go forward, I ask that You would help us to be willing. Just one. We start with one, Heavenly Father. The one You showed us this morning. And help us to go from there. Amen.